Some opportunities to win on Friday evening, but unfortunately the Louisville Cardinals dropped the matchup against the Florida State Seminoles. We will break down the loss for the Cardinals on today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time, as always, to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On the Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube and WHAS 11 Plus, five days a week, your team, every day. Um... Obviously, we are breaking down the Friday night loss for the Louisville Cardinals football team against the Florida State Seminoles. We will begin by discussing the initial reaction and big takeaways, which are all kind of centered around inconsistency. We will then uh, take a little bit of a step forward looking into the future and answering the question, what does this mean for the team moving forward? And then in the final segment, we will talk about why, yes, it's good that we saw progression and uh, improvement but at the end of the day, there's a harsh reality to the matter. So <clears throat> so getting right into it, there's a lot to unpack from this matchup. Um, a lot of hype coming into this game with a win against Central Florida. You know, a lot of the fan base was trying to get back onto the train after jumping off of the train after the loss to Syracuse. Now, you know, it's Friday afternoon and... Cardinal Stadium is packed. There's a lot of people tailgating. They were loud. I have a lot of respect for the Louisville fan base for coming out in this one and really, really um, cheering hard and supporting the team. Um, you know, shout out to the athletic administration for the improvements that they made at Cardinal Stadium with the Wi-Fi and some of the pricing at the concessions and the um, the lines, the the. The time that it took to go through the lines at entries was extremely um, reduced. So those were some great improvements that, you know, the athletic department basically came out and they, I mean, they said right away that this was going to be something. I don't like that. Um, sorry for the bland background. Can't really do too much with it. But um, <clears throat> regardless, I, I thought that, um, you know, Friday night had the had the, the stage set for what, what could have been a win that got everyone back on the Scott Satterfield train or the majority of the fan base. Unfortunately, however, the Louisville Cardinals kind of uh, squashed some opportunities um, after some Florida State turnovers, after some mishaps from the Seminoles, and weren't able to come out victorious in this one, a interception on the final drive proved to be um, the final nail in Louisville's coffin in this one. The Cardinals are now 1-3. and three. Um, Like I said, I think that the main takeaway from this game is the fact that, <clears throat> you know, look, consistency has been an issue for the Louisville Cardinals since 2020. Um, I, I think that the takeaway from this game is that the Overall inconsistency in a game proved to be detrimental and ultimately led to the loss here for the Cardinals on Friday evening. So, and what I mean by that, 
you know, when I say overall consistency is that, you know, one aspect of the game the Cardinals do well in, maybe even a couple of them, but there's always one aspect that kind of holds the team back. I can't think of the last time that I look back in Scott Satterfield's tenure and think, well, this game, they played four quarters of consistent football. Usually it's like, okay, you'll get you know two to three quarters of consistent football. There's a quarter or two where you're like, eh, we got to make some changes. Um, but ultimately, the consistency issue has been the factor. And if, if there's a statistic that is very uh, evident of that fact, it's, it's one that Kelly Dickey sent out on Friday night. Ten of Louisville's last 18 losses. In 10 of Louisville's last 18 losses, the Cardinals have, have outgained their opponents in terms of yardage. And that goes to show you is that in a lot of ways, Louisville outplays their opponents. And I think that it's it's more frustrating to know that in, in, in more often cases than not, Louisville's the better team than the teams that they lose to. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the consistency factor in this one w- was pretty evident throughout. I thought that the Cardinals started out pretty solid. I mean... It was 14 to 14 after the first quarter. Uh, defensively, they kind of struggled here and there throughout the first quarter in terms of, um, you know, marking receivers downfield. But the Cardinals, I like the offensive play calling. I thought that in the first quarter, Scott Satterfield mixed some stuff up. Uh, Malik Cunningham was throwing the ball a lot more. Um, sure, they. They punted on the first uh, possession, had a three and out, but the next two drives were were drives that went over 70 yards um, and ended up finding the end zone. I thought that Malik Cunningham and, and the rest of the Louisville team did a very good job offensive line-wise. Look, there were, um, I think, a handful of sacks, but Malik Cunningham and the offensive line were, for the most part, on the same page. Running the ball, the Cardinals did pretty well as well, um, but I think that allowing the opponents to stay in the game and in Louisville not stepping on the gas when they need to has been a problem over the past couple seasons. Um, and, and that one of those examples were um, when they when it was 14 to 14, um, you know, Louisville fumbled and then got the ball back on an interception, immediately had a three and out. Florida State punted and Louisville got a touchdown. Uh, which put them up 21-14 to 14 in the first half, and the Cardinals were looking good. Um, they had another punt, Florida State did, and the Cardinals had a good opportunity to go about and uh, try to put this game into a double-digit scenario in halftime. They ended up fumbling right after that. Um, now, granted, whether you want to say it was excuse me, forward progression or things of that nature, I- I'm not going to... Um, you know, disagree with you if you say that because I still am kind of on the fence anyway, and usually you feel like that play would have been blown dead because of the four progression. But oh, at the end of the day, it was a fumble, um, and Florida State got the ball back. Thankfully for the Cardinals, another interception, but a punt right after that. Louisville not able to really um, take advantage of that, so they went into halftime with a seven-point lead immediately after Florida State ran a. I had to read that right. Uh, 10-play, 75-yard drive. Louisville punted, followed by a Florida State punt. Another Louisville punt, another Florida State punt. So um, the defense did a solid job there. The Cardinals ended up getting the touchdown. Florida State follows it up with a touchdown. Louisville with a field goal. And then after that, um, it kind of all goes downhill. Louisville had a 31-28 to lead. And then Florida State ended up scoring the final touchdown of the game. And the Cardinals really were not able to... 
the Cardinals really were not able to, um, you know, take advantage of the mishaps and the aspect of the turnover margin and the penalties and, and things of that nature. Your Louisville struggled. They turned the ball over three times. Yes, Florida State had some turnovers as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you had 11 penalties for 81 yards. A lot of those were in coverage. Louisville's defensive backs struggled against Florida State. I understand that, uh, you know, Johnny Wilson is a tough man to guard, six foot seven. Um, but if you realize that something is not working uh, early on in the game, I feel like there should have been maybe a, a personnel change to at least try something different because. Um, you know, it seemed that Louisville's defensive backs were struggling all night long with Johnny Wilson. Um, th this is a tough game to swallow. This is a result that arguably Louisville was the better team, in my opinion. Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, went out in that first half, and the Knowles had to put in their backup quarterback, Tate Rotomaker. He was 6 for 10, 109 yards, two touchdowns to an interception. Um, but it was a matter of... Louisville not necessarily being able to get off the off the field on third down at times, um, you know, giving up some big yardage plays, which which was tough as well. Um, you know, it was this is probably a game that Kendra Duncan Jr. and Jarvis Brownlee probably would like to have back. Uh, but overall, I don't think that the Louisville secondary really played all that well. I thought that the pass rush was solid. I think that Louisville was able to get into the backfield. I think that the Louisville offensive line did a great job of sort of neutralizing the Florida State defensive line, which if you remember from last week, I said that that's probably going to be one of the best defensive lines that you're going to play all season long, and I truly mean that. <clears throat> but ultimately, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a tough loss to take because, you know, this – Arguably should have been a victory. Louisville played enough to get the victory. It's just in a close game like that, you have to, you know, uh, cross your T's and dot your I's, and you have to handle the little things well. And Louisville, which has been the recurring theme over the past three years since 2019, is that they've struggled in that aspect uh, of football games. And, uh, you know, the mantra in the offseason was finishing games, finishing in the fourth quarter. And yes, you might have done that against Central Florida, but that same issue popped up against Florida State. A lot of the fan base now is kind of in a um, kind of in a frenzy almost with the team one and two with a tough schedule to, to close out the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the the takeaway for this one is that there were some good things that I saw from Louisville on Friday night. But the same issues that we've seen over the past couple seasons continue to be issues here in year four of Scott Satterfield. <clears throat> to where in the last segment, we'll talk about why, yes, you can appreciate the improvements, but at the end of the day, it doesn't truly matter all that much. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, truthfully, I've struggled with um, determining what to say here. In this segment, um, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed for sure. Um, this was a gut-wrenching loss, one of those where I left Cardinal Stadium kind of just feeling hopeless and, and just so discouraged after it. I know that it's a long season, and we'll talk about here, that here in the next segment of, of how the Louisville can resurrect their season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to make a long story short, the Cardinals did themselves no favors. I think the, what's, what's frustrating the most is that, you know, Louisville went up against a backup quarterback in this one. Um, in the second half, the defensive backs, you know, struggled pretty much all night long, gave up some big chunk yardage to Florida State and um, weren't able to clutch it out in the end. So um, Cardinals dropped to one and two. 
The focus now turns to week four against South Florida. I want to talk about what this loss means in terms of implications for the remainder of the season. We'll do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also actually not opening weeks, uh, but you know, week three's going into week four's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline where the game starts. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, Cardinals are now 1-2, and two, and the margin of error could not be any slimmer. Um, in no way am I saying that the season is over. I'm not saying that because, theoretically, this team could do a complete 180. They could keep improving. They could you know, rattle off a win streak, and maybe here in, in a month or so, we're, we're talking a, a different situation. We're singing a different tune, per se, but ultimately, um, I'm taking things for what they are right now, and that's the fact that the Cardinals are 1-2. and two. Um, So what does this mean for the rest of the season? Uh, I kind of alluded to it. The margin of error becomes even slimmer to the point now where you can't allow any more mishaps. You have to beat the teams that you were supposed to beat and more. Because coming into the season, you had a tough back half of the schedule. You know, the front half, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I remember coming on an episode, I think that there's a chance that we could go 6-0. and 5-1 and one is probably the most comfortable that I would be after that. You're one and two. To even make it to where there's a chance, now you're fighting for bowl eligibility. Let's call a spade a spade here. And I'm not saying that they can't get to that number. And I'm not saying that if they don't win the next three games that they're not going to get there. But let's speak logically. Because theoretically speaking, yes. I mean, in the realm of possibilities, of all the possible possibilities out there, yes. Could Louisville win the last six games? Of course they can. Is it probable? No. Possible? Yes. I'm not going to sit here and operate under the realm of possibility. I'm going to look at this from an unbiased point of view. If if the if what you're looking for in this podcast is for me to tell you that everything's okay and that um, <clears throat> that this team could go ten and two, I'm not going to sit here in, in sunshine pump. But I'm not going to sit here and be a Debbie Downer as well. I try to look at things from an analytical standpoint, from a standpoint of being unbiased. My unbiased take is that this team has some more work to do. They are improving, but there is no margin of error. When you look at the remainder of the schedule, there is still the possibility that this team could get bowl eligibility, and they could maybe get that seven-win mark. But let's look at it. In the last nine games, you have South Florida, Boston College, and Virginia. All of those teams you're likely probably going to be favored against. All three of those teams you need to beat because if you beat those teams, you're at four and two, which is solid because I think if you were to ask people after the first six games, what was four and two, people would probably be like, ah, oh, I mean, it's not the worst thing, right? Yeah, I mean, if you go four and two, um, you know, it takes a little bit of the sting away, but there still is more work to be done. Even if you were factoring in the win against James Madison in October, you're sitting at five wins, you're sitting at five and two. Um, cumulatively. Uh, so the last five games of the season for the Cardinals is 
all ranked teams currently. Pittsburgh ranked. Wake Forest ranked. Clemson, top five. NC State, top 15. Kentucky, top five. I'm sorry, top 10. Uh, So three top 15 teams and five overall top 25 teams. Now, granted, you could tell me, hey, Dalton, you know, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, even Clemson, you know, North Carolina State haven't really been all that impressive. So realistically, are they going to be ranked by the time that Louisville plays them in their respective weeks? Perhaps not. And I think that that's something that you you could also make a talking point is that, hey, look, Louisville played good against these teams last year. If they keep improving, who knows what could happen? And we could be, you know, you're right on the cusp of bowl eligibility before that, you know, before the, you know, the ninth and 10th games respectively of the season. So look, I'm not saying that the season's over. I'm not saying that the team has to win out, but I'm being real here. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule and I'm thinking, okay, there's four teams that you should beat. You're probably going to beat South Florida and you're probably going to beat James Madison. You're at three wins there. You need to beat Virginia and uh, Boston College, two teams that have struggled so far. They're both on the road. I understand you, you've you had some trouble up in Boston. You've had some trouble in Charlottesville. But um, realistically speaking, you know these are games that you need to win now because you dropped the ball in, in two of the first three games. Um, if you would have beaten Syracuse in Florida State or maybe even just lost to one of them and, and you lose to like a Virginia or a Boston College, it makes it much more manageable now than if you were to go 0 and. 0-2 against Syracuse and, and Florida State so far. So ultimately speaking, um, yes, I think that if you beat, um, you know, James Madison, South Florida, Boston College of Virginia, you're sitting at five wins total. You're going to have to pull off an upset against one of the ranked teams. Scott Satterfield and the Louisville Cardinals have not defeated a ranked team since Wake Forest back in 2019. I think that Wake Forest is probably the most likely of the five that you have a good chance against. Maybe uh, Pittsburgh is right after that, but Clemson and and Kentucky, both are on the road. Both are games that you probably are not going to win. Um, NC State, top 15 at home on senior day. That's going to be a tough matchup to win win against as well. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to look at things realistically here. So, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, what this does future implication-wise is that it makes things that much more critical. Every single game is of the utmost importance to salvage this season. You're going to have to go on a little bit of a mini win streak here. Um, I think if you win the next three games, like we all know that they can, I think you have a different conversation. I think if you're sitting at four and two, you you, you may look at this in a little bit of a different way because you handled your business. But right now, um, you know, Louisville's got to show that even though they're improving, that they have to get the results as well. And that's a perfect segue into the next segment in, in the fact that, yes, it's nice that they are there are improvements being shown But does it really matter if you're not getting the results? We're going to talk about that here in in the final segment of the show. Uh, Before we do that, I want to say thank you all again for making Locked on the Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the show is free on all streaming services, including YouTube and now WHAS 11+, which you can find at WHAS11.com. Scroll to the sports section and find all of the Locked on Louisville videos here. Um, Five days a week, your team, every day. So, like I mentioned, I don't, I'm not a believer in moral victories, but I do like to accept the fact that sometimes, you know, there are some positives to point out. Now, what I'm not going to do here is I'm not going to be in the, in the boat of, oh, Louisville, we thought they were going to lose by double digits and they were, you know, 
had a chance on the last drive to win the game. So they showed improvement. It's a loss, but it is what it is. I'm not. I'm not going to do that because we saw on Friday night that Louisville was the better football team, and Florida State had to go with their backup quarterback. So no, I'm not going to give the Louisville Cardinals any bit of a pass, and nor should you. Uh, but what I am going to do is I'm going to accept the improvements for their face value. I'm going to you know appreciate them. I'm going to appreciate the fact that the Louisville pass rush looked solid. I'm going to appreciate the fact that the playbook opened up a little bit more. I liked what Scott Satterfield, for the most part, was doing on offense. He allowed Malik Cunningham to utilize you know, his efforts on the ground. Malik Cunningham, 17 carries, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. Throughout the year, yes, he made some mistakes and, and overthrew some receivers, but you know, he had a pretty decent day, um, spread the ball out to uh, multiple receivers, which is something that you needed to do, uh, six receivers in total. Um, yes, maybe you have to get Marshawn Ford a little bit more involved, but at the end of the day, you know, we wanted Malik Cunningham to spread the ball out more, and he's done just that. So we're seeing improvements offensively in that regard. The Louisville offensive line looked very solid against perhaps or one of the best defensive lines that they're going to face this season. But, you know, and then you look at defensively, um, like I said, pass rush looks solid, uh, getting after the opposing uh, ball carriers, I think the team had over 10 tackles for loss. Um, I think it was like four sacks. Let me let me just double check that because I'm not necessarily too awful sure. Uh, yeah, four sacks, uh, two pass deflections. They forced turnovers in this one. That's huge to focus on. That's something that you need to do. That's something that I've been talking about over the past couple couple weeks. And like I mentioned, the line of scrimmage was going to be a critical factor in this game. And I think that Louisville probably won both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that's that's something to uh, maybe not hang your hat on, but it's it's worth acknowledging. You know, you need to uh, understand that it's nice for Louisville to improve. They're getting better week by week, and that's good. But it does not give a pass for the fact that this team is one and two, because and we're going to talk about it um, on tomorrow's episode as well. But hey, look, you know we've been told. Over the past handful of seasons, you know, it's it's a matter of finishing, right? Finishing in the fourth quarter, uh, finishing out games. And that was the mantra in the offseason, and we we're already seeing that become a problem in week three of this season. Last year, you may have cut him a little bit of slack because it's year three, um, and that it takes, you know, a couple seasons, you know, three, four seasons to get your guys in the program, get your um, you know, your philosophies and your schemes, um, you know, perfected and things of that nature. But every Louisville fan was like, okay, well, now the fact that, you know, he's being brought back for year four, this is going to be the telltale season, right? We need to see those results through week three. We are not seeing those results. And honestly, Central Florida was pretty close to winning that game. And, and there is a very real possibility that Louisville could have been 0-3, but obviously we're not playing in the realms of hypotheticals right now because we're 1-2. and two. And if you're going to focus on the losses being very, you know, uh, cut and dry, wins are the same way. So yes, the team is getting better, which is good. But in year four of Scott Satterfield's tenure, with over half of your starters coming back, with you utilizing the transfer portal to get better, you have a lot of your production from last year returning, players coming back from injury. There was no room for excuses. There was nothing to fall back on. And I'm not saying Scott Satterfield and company are doing that now, because I'm not. But the results have to come this year. So in the instance to where we talk about improvements and how this team is getting better, 
I appreciate that, but I also understand that in the grand scheme of things, you could go two and ten. Or let me put it this way: if you show improvement week by week and you're competitive in games and you show some solid things, but you go two and ten and three and nine, it doesn't mean a damn thing how much improvement you show until you put that notch in the win column. It does not matter. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, okay, Dalton, you don't care about improvements. Of course I care about improvements. I liked some things of what I saw from this team in week three against Florida State. I liked the fact that they're getting better each week. But I'm also frustrated because we're seeing the same issue that we've seen for the past three years, and it's time for it to stop. It's time to go to the results column and put those wins in that column. And I I think that this team has the talent to do so. They have the talent. They've got the depth. They've got the pieces to be very, very solid. And that's what frustrates me the most. That's why I... That's why I refuse to give this team a pass. That's why it doesn't matter how good you look. Well, I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter how great you look uh, on the field in the next three weeks. If you don't beat South Florida and beat Virginia and beat Boston College, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be that guy, but the margin of error could not be slimmer you're staring down a season to where it gets harder as you go throughout. You're in the easy part of the schedule. You have to handle business. You have to execute. This team can do it. We've seen this team do it throughout the past four years, just not at a consistent rate like we need to see. That has to change heading into week four and beyond. So uh, tomorrow's episode of the show, we're going to di- you know, basically discuss more in depth on the positives that we saw. Um, the areas of improvement heading into week four, so on and so forth. So, like I said, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to the Locked On ACC podcast. The host, Candace Cooper, has been doing a great job of covering the conference as a whole. Be sure to check that out. Uh, but that is going to wrap up this Monday edition of the, of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.